Hello, this is the Organic BC Podcast, and I'm Jordan Marr, an organic corn grower from the Okanagan Valley and the show's current host. What you're about to listen to is a re-release of an episode originally produced for the 2022 BC Organic Conference. I hope you enjoy it. This next couple of episodes, you'll hear a wide-ranging conversation with Carrie McCann and Andrew Budgel, co-owners of Laughing Crow Organics in Pemberton, BC. Laughing Crow is a diverse operation. Carrie and Budgie grow produce and cut flowers for farmers markets and a CSA, and in recent years have established a successful agritourism enterprise featuring a U-Pick pumpkin patch and a sunflower maze. All of this production takes place on a lease at Across the Creek Organic, whose on-farm brewery dovetails rather nicely with the sunflower patch to bring tourists in droves to the picturesque property. We've broken the conversation in two. In this episode, you'll learn about the origins of the business and the cultivation tools that have transformed their operation. That's it for now. I'll talk to you in a bit. On that, but, but it was a really good starting place. Carrie McCann and Andrew Budgel, thanks a lot for joining us on Organic BC Podcast. Right on, hey Jordan. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm 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 really delighted that we're going to get to learn about Laughing Crow Organics today. It has a it has a great reputa- reputation amongst your colleagues in the province, and you're doing some really interesting things that I can't wait to dive into. But before we do that, uh, I think I think it'd be great to get like a fairly succinct summary from each of you about your entry into farming. So Andrew, maybe we'll start with you. But before we do, I just want to establish that nobody but your mother calls you Andrew. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, pretty much. Like my, I guess my mother or my father. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I'm going to switch over to your uh, your nickname, which is Budgie, which I'm just delighted. Yeah, you're neither. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Budgie, Budgie, can you start us off? Like, what can you tell us about your farm related kind of experience in life um, before you started Laughing Crow Organics? Yeah, right on. I moved out to Whistler in in 2000 to ski, and with absolutely no intention of farming. I moved out to Pemberton 10 years later. You know, I, I, I didn't know anything about farming. I had no desire to farm. I had never bought an organic vegetable on purpose anyways. I don't even know if I knew that the category existed. I'd never been to a farmer's market. I had certainly never heard of CSA. And what I didn't realize, I moved into this cabin on farmland and the the snow melted and I realized like, oh, wow, I guess this is a farm. Um, I learned that it was already certified organic land and I kind of learned what that was. And and I started my first garden because one of my buddies that I skied with was kind of excited about that. And another little thing that happened was the guy who owned the land just randomly handed me Elliot Coleman's new organic grower. Um, and I read a bunch. So I poked through it and I read it. And that book's like, I, if you haven't read that book, like I imagine like, like everybody has, right? Like it's kind of magic and it, it has a way of like really motivating you. Like by the time I was done that and, and growing a like this little, you know, home garden, like I was like, I was amped to farm, um, felt like a bunch of puzzles. I was stoked to do it. Um, and I started this little, this bigger garden. I think it would be the best, the best description partway through that season Carrie moved in next door and see she sort of rolled up and was watching me suffer because it takes a lot more than like Elliot Coleman and when you're gardening to try to grow and sell vegetables or one Elliot Coleman book so you know I, I was poking away and I was suffering Carrie was kind of on the sidelines she'll tell you about her background like she knows a bunch of she she already knew a bunch about growing food um, growing plants gardening she came from a pretty full-on background like 
um, different different than me anyways. And so, uh, you know, after that season was done, Carrie was, you know, well, during the season, Carrie was there. She was helping out, definitely offering a bunch of really good advice. Uh, and, uh, but even still, it was my gig. And at the end of it, I was like, I don't ever want to do that again. It was a, it was a tough, it was a, it was a tough year and I was ready to quit. And, you know, this is where I sort of Carrie rocked up. And I think, I think she sort of proposed, oh, I think we kind of disagree on this. Do it, Carrie. Well, let's, um, <laughs> let's, let's, let me, let me, let me jump in before we get to, uh, to your disagreement. And first of all, I want to say that what I love about that story, and I just heard it for the first time, Budgie, um, is that the way you tell it, it makes it sound as if the snow had melted and revealed a law practice. You'd be practicing law right now. Um, well, well on your way, maybe, maybe you've made partner by now, you know, it's been, it's been 10 years. Um, yeah, yeah well, there's something to that. Like I definitely felt like I can look at what was going on in my world at that point. I needed something a bit different and you know, this definitely unveiled it. So, so, so Carrie, how about you? Can you, can you talk about, um, the trajectory that led to you arriving, um, at that farm? Um, yeah, well, I think like a little bit of background would be like I had a, a very different upbringing. My um, I grew up on a homestead. Um, my folks were kind of like in the second wave of the back to the land movement of the like 1970. Um, and so we grew up their goal was so like self sustainability. So we like grew all our own food. We have a roof cellar. That was my upbringing. Um, and uh, <laughs> and somehow that translated into me actually um, like around 20, having a dream of wanting to like farm in some way. And, uh, and in Ontario, like I think in 2004, I tried a little like market to garden thing. And it just in that community, um, where I'm from, it's just that there's not, it wasn't possible. You couldn't have made a viable, um, business. And I knew nothing about what I was doing on a commercial scale as well. That should be there, but kind of the dream was there. And it wasn't until I like, um, the previous like career I'd started kind of changed a little bit in 2009 and in 2011 I kind of decided to go on a prospecting mission and came out here and um, and kind of saw what uh, Budgie was doing and here was this person who was kind of like showing me wow there's a great market here uh, it looks like it's possible to actually do like a direct-to-consumer small-style market farm and uh, and you can actually do it leasing um, which up until meeting Budgie and seeing that operation and getting to know Scott, um, who is the landowner, um, I, it was kind of at that moment, my mind was blown and I was like, oh, <laughs> um, so a, a slightly different trajectory, but I like preface with like, I grew up with like, you know, half an acre or a quarter an acre in vegetables and like fruit trees and berries, but not, um, not any kind of production scale. Um, it was all kind of like for us or to like share and trade with other families that were kind of doing the homesteading self-sufficient thing as well. So there's like, I should, I'm not by any means saying I knew how to farm. Um, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> kind of relatively, <laughs> but this is amazing because, you know, I, I make, I make leaps of assumptions. So I just kind of assumed that what I was going to hear from you is like, yeah, like I grew up on a farm and then I ran like three different commercial farms and instead, and I, I feel, I feel like I can say this without offending because you've become successful, but it sounds like it started out the blind leading the blind. <laughs> 
Absolutely. <laughs> like just the fact that Carrie showed up to what I had going on and she categorized it as like a commercial farm is like <laughs> yeah. is somewhat telling of what we what we were seeing through our like inexperienced eyes. Like, oh no. God, if you look at if you look at what we had going on, it was the blind leading the blind. But Carrie knew what a plant <laughs> There's so much to have seen, like just seeing all these plants grow and having like a concept of, you know, like frost, um, just like the, just, you know, how you put a seed in the ground and how careful you do or don't have to be like, she had all of that feel. And that's, that's, that was a, that was a oh, really valuable, valuable. asset Absol going to that. Absolutely. So, so Budgie, you, you mentioned a disagreement between yourselves currently over how you two got going as a partnership. At this point, I'll emphasize you're not your your partners in business, not in not in life or romance. Um, Correct. Could, so, so what was the what was the, what's the source of the current disagreement on how you two got going as uh, business partners? My my memory is, Carrie offered to partner up, give it another go if we did bees and honey. Okay, and and Carrie, is your recollection different? That, no, that's that's closer. That's closer to it. Um, that they, yeah, I, I feel like I I bargained for bees. Begged me. Um, uh, yeah, poss possibly was like that was the contingent was like we get beehives. Um, and uh, you know that was probably the worst uh, business decision we've made in terms of like um, just you might as well let your money on fire kind of thing for, <laughs> for us. Um, but we, I love, I love bees. I love having beehives. Um, and uh, we like, since I was like my whole life on the, my parents' farm, we've kept bees. Um, and it's increasingly more difficult to keep healthy colonies alive, um, with the varying issues that bees are having. Um, and the past 10 years hasn't been easy on, um, on beekeepers or like general bee populations either, but in terms of making them like a business enterprise, um, I would I would relegate it now to hobby um, <laughs> on that. But but it was a really good starting place. <laughs> yeah, the disagreement is is like in Budge's memory, I approached him, and in my memory, he approached me. So, however that that transpired, it's been a while. Okay, so I would love for one of you to take us through again, rather briefly. Um, the trajectory or of, uh, evolution of your business model and bring us up to today. So what, what we know so far is that when you started Budgie, it was um, pretty modest quarter acre. And it sounds like you started with just farmer's markets. Which one of you would like to kind of take us on an eight year kind of tour of your evolving business model? Okay. So yeah, when we started um, that the first season, we kind of leased uh, the backfield at Scott's property on top of the quarter acre that Budge had kind of built at the time uh it was literally a field of canadian thistle and so you know we started like most of the other farms we saw around us we had a lot of plastic and each year you know we've tra uh, the trajectory goes like we're kind of like you know the wheel gets invented every year with new tools but kind of for the last eight years uh, we would kind of increase our size by about 50 percent in growing and keep building our business that way Three years ago, um, we moved our operations from our leases where we started the farm uh, to our current location where we are now. And that's at Across the Creek Organics or the Beer Farmers. Um, so that's the Miller family. Um, and they're a generational farming family. And uh, it's been a really great process. Uh, it was a very exhausting thing to move a farm. 
and I would never want to do it again. <laughs> but that kind of brought us here. So our our sales outlets are kind of uh, farmers markets. We do Squamish and Whistler farmers market and um, a CSA. And then in the past few years, we've um, ventured into um, a small agritourism operation. So we do kind of a Yupik pumpkin patch and uh, a sunflower field. Um, and we also, in that agritourism category, we also have um, an honor stand at the farm, so a farm stand. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, maybe that's a good place for me to jump in and, and maybe I'll jump over to you, Budgie. So we've gotten, we're going to talk about these elements in more detail in a few minutes, but on the, you were on you were on one farm leasing land to start and that lasted a few years what was the main impetus for the move that that I, i've gone through a farm move it is a lot of work so what can you can you explain that a little more well there was it it certainly wasn't as a result of of not enjoying and feeling like we could still grow at the current like at the current site um but we, we were had we were slowly growing in size for sure and we did you know we spread out across it we started with that quarter acre and within a few years we sort of spread out across uh scott that was our that was the landowner there we spread out all the way across and you know we talked him into leasing every square inch of his place and and we felt like we could do a bunch of growing um but we in sort of in just a couple chance encounters with with bruce miller actually we were hiring him to wash carrots for us he's a farmer up the road and he's our current lease i guess we're the leaseholder he's the landowner and we went over and washed some carrots and we sort of learned about this project that they were embarking on they were starting a brewery um you know through a whole bunch of conversations it started to feel like you know maybe we could collaborate a little bit and this would be the same sort of farm dream that we were building up the road um, but maybe with an extra opportunity or, you know, it kind of felt like obviously a really good opportunity and it felt like it was like, you know, this is it, let's do it. Let's, let's try this agritourism thing out. And that's kind of where, why we moved. I think the other thing was we were pretty attracted to these nice, big, wide open fields that Bruce had set up rather than, because we started to have a little bit of a vision as to what what our, we wanted our farm to look like. And we were mechanizing a whole bunch, which, you know, meant it took up a bit more space and the rows needed to be a little bit longer. So we kind of realized we were sort of cobbling it together in a bit of an awkward shaped spot. So it also seemed super attractive to get to get over there and really let us run in the way that we we thought a, like a successful farm could look. But man, it was scary because we had such a good relationship with Scott Um there were so many great silver linings that came of having that lease arrangement. And they're like, wow, we're going to go somewhere else. And that was probably the scariest part of it. But, that, but the reasons yeah. for it were opportunity and layout. And I think the, I'm not sure, Budge, if you feel like, but the, the other lease that we had at Lynn's place, the neighbor, like the, there was in the season that we were talking to Bruce, she also was like, Pemberton was blowing up even more in real estate and she was talking about getting the property appraised and that kind of also put in our minds like oh what if we like if that property sold and the new landowner wouldn't honor the lease that we have that property held a large part of our like income generating farm um, and so looking at like stability in totally. in the, the other piece of property that the millers were offering too so that that was another consideration was just kind of like the a, a possible instability in the future that heralded a like hmm. okay well i would like to that was that was between the two of you we got a good idea of your trajectory um but now i'd just like to get take a snapshot of your current your current kind of 
business model and setup. So this is just some kind of rap, meant to be rapid fire. Um, yeah. You currently operate an organic veggie operation focused on mar- farmers markets and a CSA. And how many acres is that occupying? I think we do. I think maybe like eight, eight to ten acres of mixed, like cultivated in in mixed vegetables. And then we have maybe four or five acres that's dedicated to a, the agritourism side of the the farm, which is two projects currently: a sunflower maze um, and a pumpkin patch. A pick your own pumpkin patch. Okay, and we're gonna. Oh, yeah. we're, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was I was just realizing like we always forget to say, but we do do a cut flower um, oh, of enterprise as well. <laughs> Yeah, we're we've got we've got a few greenhouses. Our main income streams are you know markets, uh, CSA and agritourism, as well as like a growing uh, flower flower business. Uh, I think other things when I think about like what I want to hear about what a farm looks like. I guess I talk about like how we farm. I would say well we've got a few greenhouses. We've got a you know a wash and pack station that's a little bit smaller than it should be. Um, a walking cooler. Um, most of our primary field prep is done with machines. We control, we do our best to mechanize as many things as we possibly can. We love it. Um, but almost all of the, you know, so a lot of the cultivating is done with, uh, machines and all of the harvest is done by hand by us and a crew of this year, I guess, crew of five people. Okay. Well that, that look, we, we have a few different directions we want to go in this conversation, but you've provided a nice segue into, into the mechanization and, and with a specific, I think we're going to focus on weeding budgie. So maybe we can jump to there for, for now. Um, tell me, just tell me about that. Tell me about, uh, like what, what's, what's happening. That's really special on your farm as far as your efforts to mechanize. And, uh, like I take it that's mostly on weeding, but maybe, maybe there's more to it. Well, we're, we've done like, you know, we're, we're trying to sort of mechanize in all sorts of different ways, but definitely one of our, like what we sort of discovered to be this really cool passion and fun thing to, to really dig into was mechanical weed control. Um, and I guess it would have been, when do you think we bought that first walk behind tractor, Carrie? Um, uh, 2017, I actually just got Google reminders of the photo. So I would say like 2017 was the year of like, uh, oh no, might've been 16, the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. It was like a revolution for us. Mm-hmm. That's when we got the first, uh, I should mention that we had an Alice Chalmers G that we, we bought first. Um, but we had like just kind of trouble making it work for our row length and our, we weren't actually set up for like mechanical cultivation at the time that we purchased the tractor. Um, but once we got the planet juniors, we kind of like, saw it was like the, the year of the revolution okay <laughs> yeah, so like by, you... and like yeah in like 2016 we we were like you know we were pushing wheel hose and dragon hose around and 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 you know to this day we still do a bit of that for sure we were crawling around and weeding by hand and we kind of came to this you know we kept talking about it we're like wow like like it's got there's got to be a different there's got to be a different way um you know we'd seen all the cool like Alice Chalmers G videos and stuff. So we bought one of those and man, that's the, those things are hard to set up. Like we got them going now, but we just couldn't make it work. But then one day we saw this guy, Jason Weston on a Facebook <laughs> farm group. <laughs> yeah. I, I oh my God. Was... We saw like, we saw him running a finger weeder, which is like an in row. It's uh, it's an in row weeding tool. So it, like, you know, it weeds, it weeds your carrots. 
Um, and we, he had this, like, he had this camera mount on it. We were at the wash station. I remember, and I was poking around my phone, probably not working hard enough. And I was like, Carrie, look at this, this is happening. And I'm pretty sure that day, probably that hour, we were like on the phone, we were calling folks, we were fi- trying to figure out how they're doing. Cause he wasn't running them behind a tractor. He was running them behind kind of what looked like a, like everybody's familiar with a BCS. Like it was this two wheel tractor with handlebars. Um, it was just this little thing. And it was like, and he was weeding in row carrots at a fast walking speed um, with like this great description and this great video. And we were, I was just like, we're in, we are in. So we, we bought a couple of those walk behind tractors and we ordered some finger weeders and we left them in the box and we suffered till the end of the season until we could get to working on that. And now that, that's depth. That's, that's how it began for sure. It's just, so you just, you started, you started realizing like the, the gains and efficiency to be made when, if you could, if you could mechanize a lot of the weeding labor. Well, weeding is a really cool thing to like, to, to sink a bunch of effort into because, you know, on when you, you've got all these different places on your farm that you can, you know, you can, you can put, you can dedicate a bunch of mental space to and, and money to in thinking about upgrading and you know all of them when you can when you get right into like fixing up your pack station or whatever other thing you do you start realizing all these extra gains um that you didn't even imagine would happen and like we dug into the weed control thing out of expectation of you know we'd be weeding less but what we didn't realize like man this gave us like it gave us gains we had nicer vegetables we had a nicer field to look at um we weeded less like obviously that totally happened uh we had better airflow between our plants so they grew nicer um it was it created this environment where we actually had an opportunity to win and lose like it wasn't we didn't just plant these crops and just know we were doomed to hand weed them we felt like if we do this right and we didn't always for sure and we don't always we're like if we do this right we're not gonna have to we're not gonna be crawling around out there and when we were crawling around we could laugh about what we did wrong and how we could maybe avoid it. It just changed the landscape of farming in, in so many ways for us that we just kept digging into it and adding to it and adding to it. Um, it was real. It, it made, it kind of made the weeds on the farm fun, which is a pretty big shift. No kidding. Well, look, I, I want to get some clarification real quick. Um, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people will be picturing when you say a walk behind tractor, like a BCS. And, um, to yeah. my knowledge, this is, this is different. Carrie, like you're talking about something you invested in that is like much more single focused. Like it isn't, isn't the planet junior walk behind um, machine you're talking about kind of specifically for weeding. And for example, would have much higher clearance underneath it than yeah. a BCS. Is that correct? That's correct. And just to kind of like of the background is like planet juniors were really predominant in the 1950s um, and used like widely across North America um, for row cropping farms. And there was a bunch of different models, not just planet junior, but they were some of the most popular. Um, And so they will, they're often like two wheeled walk behind tractors that straddle the crop. So they have a higher clearance than a BCS and they're not like tilling, Um, they're cultivating. So they would have Um, different setups behind them based on the crop, whether it was cultivating in between rows or in row. Um, But this like the the tech era that that comes from is like way before um, like a plastic culture uh, style of agriculture. So it would have been for cultivating row crops on bare ground. Um, And so the the planet junior or um, as in the evolution of, of this of, of cultivation maybe like making a resurgence would be um the 
a company, Tilmar, have come out with a really awesome um, uh, product called, or like the PowerOx. And it's a new version of that with like some great improvements, but again, a higher clearance and design to, um, to drag um, steel through the field uh, to, to kill weeds. Um, and as far as like being of any height, there's like, it's not as like brutal to use as a BCS tractor uh, coming from like, if I'm, I'm maybe a mid-sized woman, but like, I don't like the BCS. It's, it's really hard on the body. <laughs> we had one. Um, and, uh, and it's not like the easiest type of farming, whereas a planet junior or a walk behind tractor for cultivating is like, literally you're just going for a walk. It's not, um, physically demanding for its use. Okay, so super light. It's a pretty different, pretty different than a BCS. It's a, just a very light, tall machine with really no tech on it. It's just driven wheels, and it just drags tools. Okay, so um, before we get that was the starting point for you two as far as cultivating kind of innovation, but before we get to some of the other tools you've you've looked at and invested in. Um, I just want to quickly, because, you know, you started out with m more manual approach and wheel hose. And so I'm wondering, having having looked at all of this, th this uh, machinery, um, what is your take on, you know, double, you know, uh, innovations in wheel hose, like like double wheeled hoe, like the TerraTech and, uh, and putting cultivating attachments on that? Is there any comparison? Would you, if for someone, because I'm trying to think of different scales. So if someone's at an acre level, are, are those tools effective? Do you know? Can you comment on that before we move on to like the the other Tillmore machinery you've used? Absolutely. Um, you know, they actually act really similar to a wheel hose. So there's there's definitely I think there's a couple, you know, there's you can push as your as your farm is growing, like there's 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 definitely a there's definitely a spot where, you know, your farm might be a little bit small for one of these machines or maybe a little bit small for warranting buying one. Um, and a wheel hoe will absolutely do the job. You know, it'll, it'll just, it'll run, a, it'll take a little bit more effort and it'll run a little bit, a little bit slower, but ultimately, um, you know, you're, it's the exact same. It's just a wheel hoe with powered wheels. Like that's, it's, it's exactly what it is. And it, you know, it's got a little bit more clearance, so it adds on a bunch of stuff. But I think once you start breaking out of that, that one acre of, of crops, if you've got the room to spread them out, to use one of these machines, I like, it's just it's it really is just it really is just so fun and really effortless. I think even at one acre, like man, this that weed control is a, a big time suck. Okay, well that's that's I'm really like I was really interested to hear your answer because I've always worried as I looked at perhaps say the double wheeled TerraTech because they sell like all manner of weeding implements to go behind it. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't tell from looking at the videos um, whether those implements are like the smaller version of those implements. If you just take the finger weeder as an example, are as effective compared to when you do it behind this Planet Junior or TerraTex version, you know, two wheel tractor or even their four wheeler. I, I do have one comment on that. Like, I'm I'm really curious about that TerraTex uh, finger weeder as well. Like, I would love to try it out because you got to imagine when you stand behind a Planet Junior or a Tillmore Power Ox, you know, a powered wheeled machine, like you kind of, you aim the thing and it's, you know, it's a bit of a video game. You're kind of looking down and you're just keeping that crop, you know, you've got this consistent speed because speed is one of your adjustments. You've got a couple adjustments, you know, like how hard in that decide how hard you're weeding. And one of them is speed. Um, and one of them is, you know, you just got to be accurate. Um, so you kind of aim that thing down the row 
And it's a little bit of an effort to keep things, everything on track and everything even and solid. So you got this, you know, you got this powered machine and you just set the throttle and you aim it and you steer it. And then you've got a wheel hoe and you can imagine some of the tools, some of the tools probably work quite well with that sort of back and forth um, motion with, you know, things stopping and starting. And I would, I'd be curious if a, if a finger weeder could work quite properly that way, but we don't, we don't have them on our wheel hose here. Yeah, we haven't tried the finger reader tear attack uh, adjustment. I've watched some videos and it kind of looks like you have to like physically run to make the finger readers like work, at, like be moving fast enough. Um, but we've never tried it. And so without like, without the experience, I don't think I really have the information to, to comment on. But like Budge was saying, with the powered unit, the the power is supplied and your job is to like, be precise you're you're the, she- your, you're, the you're the shepherd i guess yeah yeah I, I, yeah I kind of anticipate if you're actually the power unit and the shepherd it might be a little more difficult to make it um to to make it feel efficient and to feel that same victory that um we kind of get in doing that but again the like there are big differences in like when you look at you know if space is one of your limiting factors then um it might you might be kind of not in a position where it would make sense to move to a powered unit um if space isn't the limiting factor then that's something that you look at based on like cost of labor and quality of life okay so so the 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 two-wheel planet junior uh machine was your was your entry point but take me from there like where where have you gone with your um kind of fascination with cultivation technology from there this is definitely budgy the two-wheel the two-wheel planet junior so that's a piece of the puzzle right that's your power unit and then and then you've got this whole other the whole other part of the game is is what are the tools that you're buying that the power unit's going to pull and that's that's kind of the magic so as far as power units are concerned you can have two-wheel tractors um you can have four-wheel tractors uh you can have four-wheel tractors that pull your tools behind them you have four-wheel tractors that have the tools under your feet and then you've got these two-wheel tractors so you know we've done some upgrades lots of upgrades as far as uh power units i think our first step out of the planet junior was two planet juniors and then the next step out of two planet juniors was three because man, when you've got like three people running those, those, you know, essentially, you know, in row weeding at a fast walking pace around your farm, like you feel like things are going fast. So we just kept adding on. Um, I think our, we, then we start, then you start buying these different tools and that's where things start getting a little bit technical, you know? So, and we've probably, I bet you we've got, you know, probably 20 or 30 different options um for things that can go either behind the tractors or the four-wheel tractors or underneath them or behind those uh those those planet juniors and tillmore power oxes eventually we ended up with the tillmore power ox the modern version of that planet junior but but yeah i guess the we've got into some more power units and we got into lots lots more tools um i could i could probably run you through some of our sort of how the tooling works if that would be interesting well i don't know if we uh i don't know if we have the time to get into that level of of detail but um maybe maybe look uh, let me just ask you like what if you so if if someone's going to consider this it sounds like you'd be recommending to consider the as a two-wheeler that that tillmore power ox so like 
what kind of money needs to be spent to get going? Because that implies the purchase of the of the the machine and then the implement a couple one or two implements at least. So what 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 is it? What are we talking as far as investment? I think that's. I think you could pretty safely assume that you could you could feel pretty good and after if you spend five thousand somewhere between five and six thousand dollars. I think mm-hmm. um, the reality is is you need a power unit which the easiest way to get into mechanical cultivating right now is, is I don't know if anybody else has one is as a, is a Tillmore power ox. The planet junior is something that we've found rusty in a, you know, in a yard and, and repowered. It's hard to say that's a good idea at this stage with a really nice. So you'd spend a few grand on that. And then you need at the very least, you need two tools for behind it because you've got, you need a good tool that's going to clean up in between your rows. And you're going to need a good tool that's going to clean up in your rows. Um, so I think you, yeah, I think you're. I, if you've got one of each of those tools, that's kind of where you can start expanding. And you get sort of the obvious, the obvious tools, the easy ones um, that do sort of the biggest, the you know, the the macro work. And then from there, you you can really can keep spending because there's all sorts of different circumstances for little micro adjusts and, and needs for different tools. But I think, I think, I think five or $6,000 Canadian would get you into it. All right. Well, look, we're, we're going to need to move on from what is a very fascinating topic, but maybe you could talk about whether you're, whether it's behind a two wheeler or a four wheeler, can you talk about, can you name two implements that you especially are in love with uh, either, either because of just how well they function or because what they help you avoid in a specific crop Um, you know, because the alternative, if you're, for all of us doing a lot of weeding by hand, you know, you think about a nightmare like carrots, right? So just two, two, two that have really been transformative for you, two implements. Um, for me, I was like the basket weeder. And this year we got a belly mounted, um, like a three row basket weeder for the, um, like the Tillmore, uh, four wheel tractor that we have. And, um, I just, the, basket meter is awesome. I love it. I think it's great. And it's also like the, we had the basket meter for the power ox or for the, the planet junior unit. And I mean, it's just like one of the awesomest tools because you take it out and you put it together and put it on the row and it works exactly the way you think it's supposed to work the first time. And it's just consistent and awesome. Um, and the same under the tractor, uh, just awesome. Budge, do you have one? Totally. So when you talk about like carrots being the real challenge, I think you almost you need to categorize small carrots Mm -hmm. and slow germinating carrots. That's the problem, right? Like it's that first few weeks, and like Carrie said, that basket weeder. What's exciting about it? Um, you know, to describe it audio wise, kind of hard. It's like one rolling basket that drives a basket behind it and it flicks soil. It's kind of, it just works up the top, the top layer of the ground. But what's really exciting about it is you're going as fast as you can. If you could run, if you could sprint behind that machine, it would be working better. Um, and it doesn't throw any soil left or right. It doesn't never buries your crop. Like, and when I say that it works, this thing was designed in the fifties and it works exactly the way it's supposed to. There's no adjustments. You just drop it and go and you go as fast as you can. And so, and it cleans up all the weeds between your rows. So totally, I agree, Carrie, basket weeders, the probably one of the neatest and funnest tools. And it addresses those slow, small germinating crops right at the beginning. And then the other one is obviously a finger weeder, um, which takes care of the other part of the row 
at all stages of growth. Um, and what a, interestingly, both these tools are designed in the 1950s. They were both designed by the same people, the budding, the budding brothers, I guess they're brothers, I think. So it's amazing. They had a system that was a between row uh, basket weeder, like we were just talking about, and then an in row finger weeder. And the idea with the finger weeders is that they're just these rubber fingers and you can use soft ones or hard ones. And they, they, they come in and they, they disturb the ground in the row where your carrots are growing and you adjust your speed and aggressiveness and hardness of rubber based on how small your crop is because you want that tool to be just weaker than your crop but stronger than every weed that's smaller than your crop and so this there's lots of playing and there's lots of dialing it in but once you've got it you've got a system that's going to get those carrots up to that four inch stage when everybody knows like maybe you know maybe it'll end ugly maybe i won't get to these later but if you got them weed free up to sort of week four or week five or whatever you're still you're going to get your carrots like to some degree you've won the i'm going to get my crop battle so with those two tools man you can do it you can do a lot so one thing i can't figure out based on what we've talked about so far is if you will say that that um one consideration is that there's a lot there's a big learning curve to getting into this equipment or if or if not because on the one hand you talk about the basket weeder is like literally you just run it along and it's amazing but i have to imagine that like a lot of other tools i would have guessed you need to be patient to learn how to use these properly like isn't there a risk of killing your crop if you're not careful totally and that's that's why when we talk about that basket weeder we say why we love it like that and the, love it as much as we do because it's unique in that way in that it doesn't take a lot of adjustment and it's not scary and it does a good job it's true like there really is there's a whole art to to mechanical weed control and you know it's like it's like anything it's you know it's 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 the wizard not the wand but you need the wand so we get you know we've got all these tools and then it becomes then yeah there there's a there's a learning curve i wouldn't say it's super steep to get to the point where you feel like, wow, I'm doing a whole lot less work and I can see how this is going to help me. Like that happened really quick with us. But, you know, to be to be fair, we had like a whole lot of weeding tools and a pretty weedy farm for a while. Yeah. And and I think it would be fair to say, too, that like when we were learning, the learning curve would look like the two of us in the field and literally like either me or budge prostrate to the ground or prostrate to the ground looking at the crop and the other person running the equipment um and then stopping and checking um but the like the the summary of that learning process wasn't that that took ages or hours it was just a, a like like all things you have to do it um to learn it but also the comparison of like labor spent um you mentioned carrots as like a really painful crop like part of the journey that started was us um, not, we never, we started with a couple of woofers and then we wanted to build a business that would actually like employ people. So kind of shifted away from the like trade or work exchange labor. Um, but just in that first season with, when you've spent like four days with a crew of four people weeding carrots, you're kind of like, it's pretty easy to add up the numbers and be like, how do you make money with this? Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you use it, like start looking at cultivation as less than hand power and it's a, a little more like, I don't know, that, that felt hopeful in the beginning for us and has turned out to be really good. 
Is that okay to say, Budge? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think like if, if you want it to, if to like to describe what it feels like, like what you're doing out there when you're learning about these tools and how they work, you're essentially out there and you've got this volume knob. So either Carrie and I are on the machine and one of us is running behind and we set it and we roll out there and we drag it right through the crop because that's the, that's the technical one, the in-row tools. You drag it through the crop and you look back. You either get off the tractor, you let it go, you look back, you check to see if you're killing your crop. And if you're not, you turn it up. And then you start moving again and then you start checking because as you want to run that thing as aggressively as possible without killing your crop. And that's the learning curve. And every plant's a little bit different and every plant's a little bit different at every stage. So you kind of got to get familiar. And as the you know, just to describe what it feels like to sort of know what you're doing, you kind of know that like, oh yeah, I I know that broccolis are, you know, broccoli transplants are really tough at seven days. Um, I know when I'm running carrots at this time, I need to run soft fingers um, really slow and I know what slow feels like. So that that's the learning curve. It's not like, it's not, it's not super technical, um, but it takes time and it's a bit of an art. And the reality is it's super fun. Okay, we're going to stop things there and you'll hear a lot more from Carrie and Budgie in the next episode. One more thing to say before we go is just to remind you that we will once again be running an online auction this year. It was a lot of fun last year. It wasn't just your standard kind of physical prizes, mugs and shirts and donations from companies, but different members of the community came up with some pretty interesting and creative things to auction off and those things were really popular and everyone had a lot of fun so i don't have exact details for you yet but if you have a ticket to this conference in one way shape or form you will get an email at some point pointing you to the online auction site and i strongly suggest you check it out it'll be in support of organic bc and it'll be a lot of fun to be had there's not much more to say so we'll finish things off with my four-year-old son levon Reciting clauses from the Canadian Organic Standards General Principles and Management Document. 7.1.16.1 Extraction of honey from a comb with a live brood in a prohibited 